0: Welcome to the 99 Celsius Podcast. I'm your host, Marco Quay. Thanks for tuning in. This week's episode features my brother, Brandon Shields, a.k.a. Yogi. Yogi is a photographer and creative director in the D.C. metro area. His mastering of natural light has found him placements with Bacardi Group, Black Enterprise, and Angela Rye a native of the DMV, he spent a few years at ODU in Virginia and then returned to the city to plan his next move. Battling depression in the inner turmoil of dropping out of college, a series of pivots led him to the world of photography. He's a reminder that we all have a choice in how we manage the good and bad forces of life. Much like the fundamentals of physics, This is Newton's Law. Yogi in the mental, metal of anarchy never settled, just metal in new endeavors. When the dust settles, he sees his need to destroy was really a deep ploy innate to create. Inspired by Bansky spray paint, life that changed faithfully relatably to Newton's law, conservation of energy. In summation, when facing trials and tribulations, always embraced with philosophies that convert. Atrocities to masterpiece. Action for reactions leads way to basking in the glory. Now, here's his story. Yes, welcome back to the 99 Celsius podcast. I've been waiting on this one, man. This is is episode 10. And oh, man, we got sounds popping in this joint. That's all right. Episode 10, man. (laughs) Welcome to the 99 Celsius podcast. My brother, Brandon Yogi Shields. What's going on, brother? What's going on, man? How you we feeling? Here.
1: You know I got to record the BTS while it's happening. You hey. know? Wouldn't, wouldn't be a shooter otherwise. <laughs> Shots at the other shooters.
0: Yes. Respect the shooter, man.
1: Always, always.
0: Yes, sir. Wow. Yo, it's, it's love to have you here. I'm going to tell the story in a second. Yeah. Um, You know, how we met and, and how, how real this is. You know, I always like to to keep um milestone episodes for people that were really involved in the process. So, we definitely going to touch on that. But before then... How you doing today? It's quarantine season. I know that you was out uh creating. So tell the people what you've been up to. How was your day today?
1: Um, so my day was pretty good, man. Um, for the this is the second official week I'm doing it. Um I've been kind of riding it around every now and then since the beginning of it, just to check the scope of things, check the landscape. And uh this marks the second week of me documenting people's progress throughout. Mm. Um, I think I was talking to my dad, actually, about how the 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 ability to social distance is a luxury, right? Because there's still homeless people out on the streets, huddled up in circles around liquor stores. Um, and they're moving around and touching things, of course, right? Right. Um, so just documenting people throughout this thing. And while I'm doing that, I'm seeing a lot of people outside without masks on. Mm. Um so it's been interesting. My day was good though, otherwise. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. For the most part, I can I can definitely say I had a good day.
0: What you feel like you're learning with the with the project? I feel like every good project, you know, there's some insight that comes out of it.
1: It's really simplifying storytelling for me. Um because you know, an empty street can just be an empty street if you're not if you're not Telling a story with it, mm. um, so trying to find the depth and things that that others might not is kind of what I'm where I'm going with it. So,
0: that's real. Yeah, we yeah, got to yeah. stay tuned. I, I I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. Something yeah. something great is going to come from this series. Yeah. Um, just depends on what.
0: And so, just out of curiosity, when you create things, is it a matter of finding your way through? Like, do you rely on feeling? and intuition to kind of guide what that end result is like it sounds like you're you're you were compelled to do the story but may have not even known exactly what that end result was going to be
1: yeah i think a lot of my story and a lot of my uh intention behind photography tends to change as it goes along uh just i think naturally in life i tend to be a go with the flow type person right like I, I don't I'm not fully invested on going with the flow. I go into it with a plan or an idea or something that I'm set on yeah. and the universe kind of always switches that. Um, kind of like that 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 saying on a uh, Instagram of uh, we make plans and God laughs. Mm. It's kind of how my art comes about yeah. most times. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, man, they say life is is what happens when uh, when your plans fail or something like that. For sure. Mm-hmm. For so sure. do man. Well, welcome, bro. It's it's a blessing to have you here. Glad to go be ahead here, man.
1: I'm glad to, glad to see this see this thing come to to fruition in such a powerful way. Thank you, right? Man. Ten episodes in, like yeah. I remember the conversation about this thing. So. Yes, sir. Yeah, for sure. Yo,
0: actually, we could turn it around, man. Normally, I I give the introduction to how I know people, and yeah. I'll, I'll do that. But I mean, you you remember the the seed in the beginning of this too, so sure. it'd be cool to hear your perspective of like the beginning of this and okay. getting to this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Wanna get into it now? Yeah, yeah. For sure. So this all started at a studio that we that we called the dojo. A space that we called the dojo, right? It happened to be in a photo studio, but it could have been anywhere. And the idea was actually it started because Dio, uh first episode, right? Dio first episode? Yeah. Dio was in the studio. Um I hadn't seen him in probably like a year and a half. And I told him I was just gonna pull up on him one day. That day that I pulled up on him, four or five people probably came in and out. And not just, you know, anybody. <laughs> it was it was all somebody in pursuit of a dream, right? And the conversations that were happening were were powerful, right? So that was before we they even started calling it the dojo. That was just uh, you know, fifty two O Street. And that happened for probably three or four consecutive weeks and each time it started you know the knowledge kicked started to become a lot more um impressive right the, the the people coming through the whether i knew them or not or i'd heard of them or not you know just listening to them talk and the relationships that were being built from that connection um they were all all very useful so I got the I'm 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 into a whole lot of uh, martial arts films and um, anime, so it just made sense to to call it the dojo. So I think I called it the dojo in passing, jokingly <laughs> one time, right? right? And it just stuck. So me and you met. I think this was uh, fall time at this point, right? Sorry. So I started with Di- with Dio at the studio in the summer. By fall, you were coming through, and. I didn't know you at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that first day we really got into conversation was the photo shoot day?
0: Um, we talked a little, yeah. You said a, you said a couple things to me in passing that that first day. And then, uh, yeah, I think the next week was the photo shoot with photo the shoot hair, day. right? Yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, We all did a photo shoot. Uh, there were four or five of us at different stages of, uh, of locked hair. And from that, point on we kind of just you know we chopped it up we had we had similar perspectives on the art process and i remember right before this was probably towards the end of the dojo at 52 at least um where you told me the idea of actually starting a podcast and uh i'm always the person that's going to say yeah do it right <laughs> I, I don't have too much opinion on it outside of do it yeah because I've learned throughout my process that everybody can't see the vision that we have, right? Everybody's not supposed to. We're supposed to take our vision to a point and then deliver it to people. So when you told me, I was like, cool, dope. Do it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I expected you to actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> Because so many, you know, people talk, man. All people, people, people say they're gonna do things all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So when you actually came to me about shooting the intro, yeah, I was excited. Yeah. I was like, "Yo, this is fire!" Yeah. Like, it's, it's already a dope concept. The name, the the meaning behind the name was also it was it, impressive. Is the only word I can think of mm. because it resonated immediately with me. Yeah. And a lot of people that I know chasing this journey, right? So mm. you told me about it. I was down, and uh, now we are here. We are ten episodes yeah,
0: in. Nah, yo, that's a good, that's a good recollection. Um, I'll, I'll. I tried to take it back to
1: the beginning, at least. You said Where, what? I tried to get, take it back to the beginning. Yeah, and yeah, give yeah. you the full timeline of it.
0: Exactly the whole context, which is important. For um, sure. And I'll fill in some of the things from my perspective, or sure. things that you may not be aware of. Um, yo, man, that first day. So actually, let me fast forward. Let me rewind back. You know maybe like a couple of weeks before I, I came to the dojo okay. um, I was fresh off an event I invited Joey to a splatter event Okay, I knew that he was doing his photography thing you know loved his shots and thought he would appreciate it okay. the artwork and all that I had seen his work through a homie of mine who you know she lived by us and um you know she that was the homie so hit him up tell him to come through he comes and you know he's talking to us about the event he's like yo this is dope He's like, yo, we uh, we meet at the studio on Tuesdays. You should come through. And I was like, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> don't know if I know it started with Joey. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah. Okay.
0: Right around that time, my full time job is about to kick up because okay. like fall season is really when it's crazy, and I also was in this place of my life where I was at a crossroads with a lot of personal relationships okay. going on, and so it was a lot of like maybe trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted. And it wasn't until, I think, a couple weeks after that, into the fall, it must have been like early October. And I was like, you know, I really, I want to reconnect with this Joey dude. I know you said that, they go to the studio. Mm -hmm. You know, I just want to be around some creative people, talk to him about ideas I have, and, you know, make something of something. So I hit him up really because I'm thinking like, all right, you know, this would be a good creative relationship to have. Have no idea what's about to turn into, mm-hmm. so he tells me, pull up on Tuesday, I'm thinking it's gonna be when he said we I know Joey's a photographer, so I'm like it's gonna be me, him. And maybe the person he's shooting. Okay. And so I'm thinking like, ah, right, this dude, you know, he's, he's a little busy. He So he don't that's, got the time to link, but at least he's going to fit me in during his shoot. He's going to be shooting. That's fair. And he may turn to me like, yeah, Mark's out, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I'll take
1: it. I don't. By the way, I don't know if I've ever heard the outside perspective of what photographers, when photographers say, yo, pull up. Yeah. Um... I'm sure a lot of people have, have thought that when I've said it to them, too. You're so right. now that you said that, that's yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. Connected a couple of dots for <laughs> me. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, I guess we'll, we'll we there's have always There's always hesitancy when people say it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just never know why, but that could, okay, yeah. cool. cool. Hey, you could yeah, yeah. Like in a couple of
0: blanks, cool. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, well, love. I'm like, okay. I'm a little late, mm-hmm. not too late. I just came from, I think, an event at work, and um, I can't even get into the building. I'm like, like hitting a call Joey, he's like, "Oh y'all, I'm not there yet. I'll be there in a couple." My mm-hmm. like, God, right, cool. How do I get in? He's like, "I don't even think he answered me at that point." Mm-hmm. Finally, somebody, somebody else is walking into the building. He opened the door and he was like, "Oh, you here? You here for?" He said whatever the name was, mm-hmm. which to me was gibberish at that point. Right. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I guess so." So, we uh. We you know dab each other up and we go upstairs together and we go into this room, and this joint is like real mob like like it's like two long tables yeah it's probably about you know <laughs>
1: <Mob-like>, <laughs> it's
0: like eight people sitting yeah. around this table and it's pretty quiet it's not on and popping yet mm-hmm. people got laptops open, um, a couple people are like doing design work on on like a big I remember, iMac. I remember this day now you know I what, what I mean yeah. like yo I'm in there and I'm like like yo, what is
1: this and, and for context you know as 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 shooters we meet a lot of people all the time right um whether or not it's of substance or not depends on, on depends on the person right so it, the, the initial meeting is usually very stagnant very still <laughs> right not a whole lot of expression not a whole lot of movement. We might make eye contact. That's about it. Right. right. Not a head, something yo, like that. It's something funny minimal. That you
0: said that because I remember feeling a pretty cold shoulder yeah, yeah, yeah. in general and from yeah, the room. Yeah, for sure. I remember being like, yo, I gotta try. I'm like pretty nervous around new new spaces. Okay. So I'm like trying to push myself out of comfort zone. I see one dude in particular working on like a, he's working on design.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you know, you shout design? Out, shout out to Owen. I'm pretty sure it was Owen. <laughs> 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 you see I ain't said the
0: name no right? I meant, I meant. <laughs> he is like, no, he he's working on the design I said like, oh you you working on the design like he's like yeah bro and just kept clicking yeah. you, you know you hear to like, sure. I can actually do it you yeah. hear it you hear
1: it for sure <laughs> and I'm like
0: yo bro <laughs> this dude is not trying to talk to me so I'm like alright so I go sit down I don't know dial I know Joey and mm-hmm. Joey only so now I'm like, yo, there's ten people here, and I don't, I don't even know what this is. So we're all kind of sitting around, and he turns to me and he's like, yo, man, like, what's up? And I was like, oh, what's up? And he's like, you, what you doing? Like, you know, you here for something? And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'm here with Joey. And he's like, who? And I'm like, Joey. Mm-hmm. And he's like, never heard of him. Straight <laughs> face. <laughs> yeah. Super straight face. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, I just spoke to him. I maybe I'm in the wrong room. It's right. all good. Like, I love to did so,
1: it. I love it. <laughs> I was
0: about to about to pick up the bag and head out, and he's like, "Now I'm just playing with you, man. Welcome, bro." <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, we, you know, we meet here," and he was just so welcoming, mm-hmm. and that really broke the ice for me. So I remember talking to you, you know, throughout that that evening, and there was something you said to me that really stuck out because I knew where I was at, but I hadn't told y'all. Mm-hmm. You know, like. And I knew that it was real, it was a very difficult time for me. Like, you know, I had, I had just been through some stuff right. and you were like, you had tournament and you were like, yo, that's why I keep coming back. And you were like, yo, this got me through, I had real dark times and I, and this is, this community is what got me through it. And I was like, oh, that's fire. So I remember thinking like I was powerful and just even that for me, I was like, there was something about, there's a couple people I felt like I really kind of connected with instantly. Mm-hmm. And what you said and just even our, our conversation was like one of those things for me that I was like, yo. That's
1: dope. Yeah.
0: So that was kind of how, you know, we ended up, you know, how we met and we sure. linked and then we had the the shoot that you had talked about Um and That's, it's been love, man.
1: It's it's been a lot of love, and yeah. not to go too deep into it, but the 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 year and a half that I hadn't seen Dial that I mentioned, yeah, same thing, dark space, mm. dark space, mm. and and isolation, right? Yeah, and that uh, as a creative, as a as an idea maker, um, isolation is probably one of the most dangerous things you can um you can put yourself through.
0: That's so real, yeah. So needless to say, man, we we got to to keep linking, um. I gotta give you your props on there for the shoot that we did. That was crazy. Turned out fire. Yeah. It was amazing, bro. Like everything that I felt I saw and felt about the experience yeah. and what I wanted to see was exactly what came to fruition. And that was crazy. I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, what was going through your head that day? Um or just from leading up from like, you know, the kind of this inception of speaking at, you know, uh at dinner. Mm-hmm. About it and then, you know, up and through, you know, actually shooting it and then editing, right? And like putting it together.
1: When you brought it up at dinner, I know you said that the timeline was like pressing. Yeah. But I'm not sure if I registered as urgent in my mind as, mm-hmm. as, as you did, right? Yeah. Um. So when we got there that day, I can see the urgency in you, which was inspiring. Yeah. Um. Because it was like this idea that you had that you were ready um to see come to fruition. So this is the first probably stop motion thing that I've done. Um I did video for a little bit in the past, kind of took a break from it yeah. to focus on photos. But storytelling yeah. is storytelling, right? So once you once we had we had confirmed reconfirmed the idea that day mm-hmm. um and I saw your setup, I can start visualizing the pieces as we move and then um, looking back on it, some ideas I wish I would have done more completely, mm. but I'm still very satisfied with the with the end result. Yeah, so it worked out.
0: Yeah, it's funny, man. I it took me mad long to actually say the idea. Like in my head, I knew you had your event, and I thought like, all right, I'll just connect with him afterwards, low key. It would just be me and him. Yeah, I was like still very fresh to the group and like not comfortable with you know not sure if I really embraced myself enough creatively to like tell these ideas to people who literally spend their life creating. For sure. And so, when you were like, yo, we can just just come with us. We're about to all grab dinner. I was like, oh. So,
1: I remember... To... to, to, yeah. to I, I, when, when we were in the studio right after the event, right, Yeah. and I asked you, I could see your, the hesitancy in your oh, face. Oh, you could. For sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. Because... Um, I think it was you wanted to talk to me nico wanted to talk yep. to me about something yeah and one of the homies had just finished talking to me about something <laughs> um but i knew the space that we that we keep around us right yeah. it's a very conversational space yeah so i knew telling you to come and telling nico to come wasn't gonna yeah. stifle the progress of the conversation yeah. we needed to have so yeah. i saw so I, I before we before i said it I knew that it was going to work out for the way that you needed it okay, to work out. Okay, But I could see that you weren't quite sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure, <laughs> man.
0: And and I was like, there was a, a a part of me that was sitting there at dinner and was like, maybe I'll just, you know, I'll just chill, chill with the homies. Like, mm-hmm. it'll just be another day at the dojo, and maybe I'll just connect with him another time. But like you said, the timeline was pressing, and, and like, I, I think it took a drink or two for me, and I finally got the courage, and I was okay. like, all right, I'm just going to. So I was like, yo, this is what I'm thinking, and started off low key. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know. I was like, yo. no, yeah, it did. Slid the it book did. over to you, for and sure. all of a sudden, people were like, yo, what's that? And I, oh, that's dope. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, you think this is cool? Yo, so needless to say, like I actually the whole time was like, I think I'm now just getting to a point in my life, like this season for me, where I'm like fully embracing myself and being like, nah, I have good ideas for and sure. whatever room I'm in. But at that time. I mean, really, for all of my life, but especially at that time, it always felt like qualifiers. So it was like, yeah, I have good ideas maybe with these other people, but now I'm in this room with like people who really do this. Can I really, you know, say my idea? For sure. Um, but like being able to say it, and then for you to be like, yo, that's dope, and you'd be like, yo, we could do this, and then we just started throwing ideas back and forth. And like literally, what we said and brainstormed that day, what's in the notebook, is exactly what came out, and it was, and it exceeded that, like. Yeah, yeah. It was so fire, man. Um so major props and like I always I always say thank you for like for sure, you know, man. helping me execute, you know, something that I had been talking about that I didn't really know if I, you know, could
1: do. I'm glad. I'm glad I could be a part of it, man. Yeah. I am honored at the at the ask at yes, the sir. request, so most definitely.
0: Oh man. Cool. Well, we we, we spent a lot of time on the history, which is cool. it's, it's all love, this episode ten, man. <laughs> Big things. Yes, <laughs> <sir>. <laughs> <laughs> So, man, as you know, you definitely know the 99 Celsius podcast is all about the process and the journey much more than the destination. For sure. You know, uh, on the page, this is the first time I'm saying this on the podcast, but on the page, we we call it the pot of progression. And the reason why I call it the pot of progression is because when you put that water in that pot, we value the progress of it boiling and heating up way more than we do it actually getting to that angle, you know? Um, And so valuing that progress and that trajectory means that we got to get an understanding of the beginning of time, how a process started. And many times we don't even know how exactly we're starting for sure. You know? Um, so before there was even a camera in your life, before you were a person with creative ideas, what kind of hobbies did you have and what was childhood like
1: for you? So I have to say this, got to tell you this. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I told you this actually. Mm -hmm. Um, so listening to your podcast has made me connect dots that I didn't connect before. Wow! So that. the pod is working. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's dope <laughs> for sure. All right. So childhood. Um, I was an athlete all throughout my childhood. Um, probably since seven, F- five, seven, something like that. Yeah. Um. My dad I'm the first child. So my dad pushed me to sports. He was coaching with one of my cousins. Um he was coaching football with one of my cousins when I was like a toddler. So by the time I can get into football, he yeah. pushed me straight into football. Was he, he a
0: football player as well?
1: No, he was basketball actually. Okay. Um, not sure how the football thing, I don't even know if I asked that yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he dove into football. He pushed me into football. Okay. Um wanted me to be the quarterback. Wanted me to be a quarterback. Um and I did basketball too, but he really I felt like he was really pushing football. Um with me at least. And, you know, played basketball, football every year up until up until high school. Um didn't really I drew a little bit. You know, I was a I was a tracer. Um, I was big into Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z as a kid. Yeah. Um. So looking back, I can see the artistic mindedness of that. But I never connected those dots before. Yeah. And um, so in my mind, I, I'd i never considered myself an artist. Mm. Um.
0: I've never heard that from you, by mm, the way. I, I didn't know that.
1: I never considered myself an artist. Wow. I didn't even, if you would have told me at, we can go as far as, if you would have told me in high school that I would be a photographer, I would have laughed at
0: you. Oh, yeah? Laughed. What did you think it was going to be?
1: Um, Because I had played sports so much, in my head, the goal was professional athlete.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So were you like, I mean, you talked about this being a part of the journey from, I mean, literally seven, six years old through, you know, high school. Mm-hmm. Um, Was it more than a dream in the mind? Like, was there... Was it like football tournaments all the time and like constantly training Yeah Yeah.
1: So I I admittedly I loved basketball, the game of it. Um, but I was always better at football. Okay. So by the time I got to eighth grade, football was pretty much year round.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were um, like serious. Yeah, I'm yeah. In it.
1: And then so my dad coached me and my brother Um, So I played football for, uh, I might've played basketball first. I don't remember, but I played football as a kid and I kind of stopped football and went straight basketball. Okay. Um, but my brother was always better at that, but my dad coached coached me throughout. Um, so my dad has been my coach since let's call it nine. Um, there's actually a video that he has that he showed me recently of me and Carnegie Mm. at like 12. Um, at a basketball camp (laughs) but um, yeah so he coached me from from young at basketball that grew into him coaching me at football starting in middle school okay Um, so all my high school he coached me football so football was I eat, sleep you know I breathe football yeah Um, what was
0: it about football that to
1: you really resonated if I had to put something to it um it was probably the strategy of it um
0: so that that's interesting, right yeah because um I think we see a lot more of that you know as we just look at your life now for sure um in many ways yeah, you're a photographer but there's also you know like a lot of digital strategy mm-hmm. and like uh promotional strategy understanding what will work and what won't work with mm-hmm. certain audiences for right? sure kind of that brand work that you've been doing. Which we'll touch on, but I just okay. think that's it. It's really interesting that um, you know something like sports seemed to have developed, you know, some of the affinity towards yeah. something that you ended up using in a completely different way.
1: Most definitely, I think it. 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 I don't. I don't know if I'd be the person I am today without sports. Mm. Um, just from an understanding of work and ethic and um, collaboration and having a theory or an idea and watching it happen, right? Because right. that's what football is, right? You have yeah. a play. You have no clue if it's going to work. You you put it up against another idea and you see who has the best idea, essentially.
0: Wow. That's so real. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So the strategizing piece is really what resonated and just the ability to create. You're creating on a field, really. It's You're creating
1: like at real, in real time.
0: Field your your canvas. For sure. You're adjusting in real, in real time. And For sure. Um, having have to be quick on your feet, both literally as well as figuratively.
1: For sure. Yeah. And honestly, if I was, if I was, you know, as a teenager, it's hard to be around your parents mm-hmm. uh, all the time, which <laughs> is essentially what I was around my dad all the time. Yeah. Right? I'd get up in the morning, see him, go to school. Um, he'd probably get there around like one because he's a football coach. Yeah. So most of the day, I'm seeing my dad. So you know, you kind of rebel and resist against that. But if I had practiced more heavily. And and more seriously, I think I could have actually been better and and r- could have really taken it somewhere.
0: But. Yeah. Did it get to the point where you were like looking at like combine and things of that sort? Or oh
1: I was in combines starting at ninth grade, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Man. And then you, you know, you end up kind of deciding otherwise?
1: For so for the eleventh and twelfth grade year, I had the top in the Nike combine that was held in Baltimore every year, I had the top agility speeds, uh, agility uh scores. For the combine, yeah.
0: That's crazy. You was really a star then. Uh, it has you had <clears throat> some some aspects.
1: I I I think I had the potential to be. Yeah. Right. I had the I I did well in competition. Okay. I wasn't a practicer. Okay. Um, ah. But I th- again, I think that was I think that was par- parental resistance as a teenager. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I could have played. I could have played in college, but I thought I was better than I was, um, which backfired. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely got to tell me that story for when sure. we get to college, for, for sure. sure. Okay, so tell me a little bit about um, moms and pops.
1: Um, so like I said, never, never really considered myself an artist. I I drew and sketched a little bit. Um, but my parents are DC born and bred. Um, go to college, get a degree. Get a job. That's their that Right, their right formula. by the book. Right by the book. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what work for them. What um, do they do? My dad is IT um, for EPA. Okay. And my mom is communications for FCC. Okay. Government workers.
0: I was trying to see if there was, um, you know, something kind of in the same world in the creative space. But those are more, I mean, they sound at least one role is more tech, right? Yeah. I'm not sure what I would, what's the the communications role? That's not really tech, right?
1: It's, um, no, it's, um, I'm not trying to diminish what my job, my mom does, but it's uh, it's paper pushing. Okay. Organizational. Okay. okay. Administrational. Okay. So. okay.
0: And when you talk to them about upbringing and things of that sort, was there, was there anything that, that you, like, when you look back and you're trying to connect dots, like, was there anything that, did they have a love for art or, or anything that may have?
1: So, um, they always had this one photographer's photos hanging in the house, mm. um, which as a kid, I saw it all the time, but I'm not sure if I really processed it for what it was. Um, but he's a, he's a landscape photographer who worked in heavy black and whites. So to be like bridge scapes yeah. with heavy fog or like a mountain escape in a forest or something like that.
0: Okay. So you grew up with a lot of the imagery around. Yeah. And does that does it pique your interest at that point or is it just no. You're just seeing it. Just seeing it. Okay.
1: It doesn't really mean much. It means it honestly it meant nothing. Okay. And honestly, I looking back, I didn't necessarily like them at first. Interesting. I had to I had to grow into Becoming a photographer to appreciate um, what that photographer did with that image. Yeah. Because otherwise, I would pass it, um, and then that's just it.
0: That's real. So I know you now um, as someone who
1: actually not to cut you off. Yeah. Um, so the camera thing, though I didn't relate the two. Um, my grandfather passed. Was it twenty twenty nine? I messed the year up. 2017 or 18. I think it was 18. Okay. Um, but at his funeral, everybody that came up, which was a lot of people talked about how he was the only person with a camera at that time, Ah. taking all the family pics, taking a camera everywhere he went. Um, and as a kid, he had a camera, like a little point and shoot. um, but i didn't i didn't process it at that time either it it's something that i saw yeah. and registered in my mind clearly yeah. but i didn't i didn't take it into account um so that that if that answers your question right
0: I mean. that may that may be some of where some lineage and yeah. some sense um with your grandfather where you did you find yourself wanting to be behind the camera at all like not shooting but like as the subject
1: no Would actually shoot you i hated all? i hated being in front of the camera okay um, which goes to something different that we can talk about later but I think the aspect of it that I received most was probably the conversational piece right because it's essentially a photograph photography is a conversation when you're dealing with subjects right mm-hmm. how to communicate an idea to somebody um, in order for it to resonate right. right So he was a very people person, um, which my da- my dad adopted. Um, which I ended up adopting too. Yeah. So I think that is probably the biggest piece that I took from it all. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I didn't really, I hated being in front of the camera. Yeah. I've always been a a jokester with people that know me. So you can find pictures of me as a kid, like cutting up, but (laughs) I didn't really enjoy being in front of the camera.
0: Okay. Got you. And um, when you think about other hobbies that may have existed in that childhood space for you, I, I was thinking about just what I know about you now as mm-hmm. a person, and I know that you're super into music, mm-hmm. and I wonder if that's something that's always been the case for you.
1: Uh, yeah, man. So music is actually funny because my parents, I grew up in a very Baptist house, mm-hmm. Uh, like Sunday school every week. I even went to a Baptist first half of my elementary school schooling was a baptist school and then my high school was baptist okay um so i grew up in a a very baptist house where rap was not allowed right they weren't they weren't rocking for that Mm -hmm. um so you know we we grew up in the lime wire age yeah Um, when mix yeah when (laughs) mix so it's like you know it starts with bet yeah you know top 10 plays comes on Oh, I like the way this sounds. Yeah, right. And then that goes into dudes selling dipset tapes at school, which I'm buying. Yeah, right. And then that goes to LimeWire and downloading music. And I think in high school is kind of where I really, really, really dove into to hip hop. Okay, seriously. Um, because I'm walking around with Illmatic in my headphones between class to class. Right. Uh, Reasonable Doubt, Volume Two. Yeah. And really diving into the feeling that hip-hop brings. Mm. Um, So since, I'd probably say middle school is when that music thing started. Yeah. Um, And I think that opened my mind to expression. Um,
0: Yeah, and it's funny you you mentioned expression because as you were speaking, I couldn't get my thoughts off of just, you know, because hip-hop is so expressive, Mm -hmm. I was just wondering... You know, what your relationship was with expression and being expressive just as a person. Like were you were you someone that was very vocal about how you were feeling when you were growing up and such?
1: I'ma say yes, actually. That's a good question. I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. Um my mom always says that I was the one that no matter what the what the response was gonna be, I was gonna tell you exactly how it was. <laughs> Like, that is
0: still true today
1: yeah for sure <laughs> whether I'm gonna get in trouble for it or not I'm gonna tell yeah. you I'm gonna tell you what it is yeah. and that did get me in a lot of trouble throughout school because I would I would do things and I was I was um I gotta credit Julian with this one he said um, the the mindset or the the ability to create is the same as to destroy and I was a very hmm. destructive mischievous kid um, but that's because I didn't really have a creative outlet, right? I didn't, I wasn't creating oh. that much, but I was always into stuff. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I got into a lot of trouble as a kid, just just for being mischievous. Yeah.
0: Yo, that that quote's crazy. Yeah. You said Julian told you that. Yeah. And run it back for me.
1: The I can't remember it exactly, but yeah. it's the ability to the ability to create is the same or the mindset to create is the same as to destroy. They're just two essentially they're two ends two two sides of the same coin.
0: And both being I guess efforts towards um expression. Expression and creating some kind of output that may evoke some response. Mm-hmm.
1: That's crazy. It blew my mind when he said it. I was like, "Yo,
0: Yo shout out to Julian, yeah, man! Shout out to I hope you're listening." That's crazy. Okay, wow. So you were expressive, and you're the type of person that said that what was on your mind. Yeah, um, I would I would do something that yeah.
1: I knew was bad, that I knew I was going to get in trouble for. Yeah, and they asked me about it. I'm like, yeah,
0: mm. I did. So, did you do you find that your expression, at least at that time, um, connected a lot more to the idea of like it sounds like it it sounds almost like you're implying that there was some some steam that you were you were letting off back then but uh did you did you experience a range of emotions like were there um you know how did you process maybe grief or sadness or loneliness like you know did you feel in tune with those emotions as well or Um, or was, you know, was letting off steam maybe a culmination of maybe other things you were experiencing, but this was the, the way to communicate it.
1: I think, I think it's the latter, right? I think letting off steam became my expression. Mm. And I think, I, I think that's also why football stuck more than anything else did, right? Because you're literally channeling the most foul thoughts you can have. Yeah um the anger the aggression and you're putting it towards somebody else yeah um but even as a child like you said I think those things like me I liked lighters as a kid and fire and playing with that and watching it do what it does was so fascinating to me but I think that's the I think that was my mind breaking down what I was feeling right yeah um same thing with anything else. I think it's it's all channeling, finding out the best ways to channel. And we don't have to get too deep into this, but, mm-hmm. you know, as 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 black boys, we don't have—we're not taught to express, especially in the 90s. Yeah. Right? So I think finding your own way is what it becomes, and yeah. I think that's what I did.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Um, There's a book that I was reading sometime last year, and the knowledge has stuck with me ever since— and says something to the effect that anger is the one emotion that is not vulnerable, mm. and so people feel comfortable being able to exude that. I mm. mean, you think about black men um, specifically, right? That is the one emotion we have no problem. Yeah, not at all. Expressing, you can right? Turn that
1: on and off like right? a light switch.
0: But the the book also says that anger is a secondary emotion. So anytime you discover anger, there's actually something else. There's fear facts. or there's anxiety facts. or there's sadness or uh emptiness or loneliness whatever it is right it's about it's
1: inability to process the first
0: exactly or the resistance
1: or the right? resistance it's
0: yep. like I-, I feel that but i ain't, i'm not gonna feel that yeah i'd rather feel this you know and in some ways um i'd rather make somebody else feel this exactly yeah interesting so, yeah, yeah um facts yeah <clears throat> <it's>, i agree <laughs> completely yeah it's 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 a real thing but i i always think about the connection to emotion because I think art is is so much of channeling what those emotions are and communicating it and um and in photography and really any other art form like I think so much there's so much work that's done to communicate an idea and feeling behind sure. something um and I feel like people that have that artistic tie are so mature emotionally and at least being able to communicate with their what They're feeling right, whether it's verbally or any other form. Um, and so I was just kind of wondering the history behind
1: it. So now yeah. that you say that, right? Um, my mom has always been in like an excellent writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I got a piece of that from her because, um, I've I was never the best student, mm-hmm. but if I had to write something, I'm crushing it every mm-hmm. single time. Um, like preparation or no preparation, last minute or um, in advance yeah. I'm crushing it every yeah. single time um so I think a piece of that um she's a very expressive person too
0: how did you feel when you wrote like what 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 was it that you enjoyed
1: about it um i I don't even know if I processed it as enjoyment because mm. um, you know in school you have to write things you gotta write yeah. essays you gotta write i think actually uh, it might have been it might have been the ability to the ability of analysis because as you're writing you're kind of thinking of things and breaking things down right um, especially to make it your own you gotta you gotta be able to process things Um, yeah that might, that might be it
0: that's right. so you kind of have uh, all of these different areas you have sports that is pushing you through mm-hmm. and that's you know really the Almost the end goal. It's like, you know, almost a career aspiration. Um, but you have this interest in expression and writing in some ways. Um, and then you have the hip hop piece that really comes into you or you come into your own with that in high school. So is it in high school where you begin to discover photography or just tell me a little no. bit about that period of time?
1: Um, so high school I was still heavy sports. Um uh, music was probably the, the artistic discovery that I had at that point that I really felt. And once I started diving into hip hop, cause I didn't do R and B until like college, Okay, you know, in high school, you gotta be, you gotta be hard. Yeah. You got to be hard, <laughs> especially when dip sets out. Day, yeah. You know, so I think the expression of words really stuck in high school, mm-hmm. um, and then 12th grade, I went to high school in PG and Largo at uh, Riverdale Baptist. But my brother had got accepted to a school in VA, a private school out in VA. Okay. Um, so I tested to go to that school. Mm. Um, so I took the test. And then that same day, you kind of do like a shadow where you get to shadow a student. So it was wild different than what I'm used to. And PG, you know, it's it's majority black. So that's what you see. Yeah. Um, so moving going to the school in Alexandria was widely different and mm-hmm. it was a culture shock almost. Yeah. But the girl I was shadowing, I was shadowing, um, little white girl from Means, she they were taking a test in one class, right? So I had to sit in the back of the class while they took the test. So she gave me a bank seat book and she was like, Um, I don't have any, really have anything for you to do. I guess look through this book while we're taking this test and yeah. then we'll get back to the shadow day right never heard of Banksy before right. that never I never processed wall art I yeah. never I never noticed art in my mind right but when I picked up that book blew my mind mm. I'm like yo this is crazy yeah why have I never heard of this yeah what um, did you like about it it was rebellious <laughs> which I related to wow wow um it was expressive, yeah, because Banksy's extremely expressive um, in his messages to the world and it was unconventional i I, I didn't know anybody that did anything like that. I didn't I, I guess when you think of rap when I thought of rap at the time, I didn't process it as something foreign right because you know you grow up with people that freestyle yeah so it's still in the realms of attainability right Mm -hmm. just like Mm -hmm. sports is but the banksy book it blew my mind open because i didn't i had never met anybody that did those kind of things with their own imagination like to think of some of the things that he did in that book i couldn't even imagine yeah so that blew my mind open oh that's what i was gonna say so i was also into skateboarding a lot Okay. Honestly, if I knew if I knew more people that skateboarded, I probably would have would have pursued skateboarding too because I was I was so fascinated with it for the same reasons. It was it was expressive, it's technical, it's um, rebellious at the same time. So my love for skateboarding and the Banksy book kind of connected at that point because okay. they they kind of channeled the same things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that stuck with me even though I didn't end up going to that school.
0: You didn't end up going. No, I went okay. right back to Riverdale Baptist. Okay. So what happens after you you discover this book and you have skateboarding in your life now too?
1: Um, I started to research more. Um, I started to research art more. So I think that was, that was going into my 12th grade year. So the schedule of an athlete is already hectic. Yeah. Um, not too hectic in high school, but it's still a little crazy. So, in my free every chance of free time I had, I was looking up Banksy. Um, I was uh, hip hop introduced Mr. Cartoon, too. Okay, um, not to backtrack, but it introduced Mr. Cartoon, too. So, I'd already started printing out Mr. Cartoon stuff prior to that, but his stuff was still very raw, still very right. urban, still very, still felt very, very close to home because I was already sketching this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but Banksy introduced a different piece in the sense that it brought um Shepard Fairey from Obey it brought real rebellious pieces of art um that took their time to to, to deliver a message to the world yeah um so like you said I, like I said I was printing out stuff I was printing out Banksy it's on the front of my notebooks and my binders wow. in school yeah um so that was my that was my first dive I think into finding art for myself
0: so do you start seeing like changes in your life as well around this time? Like are not you not yet? Okay, not yet. So the circles aren't changing, and like the conversations with the friends aren't changing as much as you're just living in this own world internally when you're diving into it.
1: I might have I might have put a couple people on. Okay. Um. But I don't remember it changing too much. Okay. The landscape of things didn't really change too much. Okay. Um. I was still fully invested in football, and in my mind, I'm still going to play football in the NFL.
0: Yeah. And this is, you're graduating and yeah. you said you had the opportunity to play yeah. in college and yeah. that ended up changing, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. So now you're in school and, and where was the school again?
1: Um, my high school or college? College. Um, college was ODU. Okay. Um, so going into, ending off my, my senior year of college, you get a highlight tape and of you're sending school. it off to schools. Off high school. Yeah. You're sending off your highlight tape to schools. Um, and I got accepted and I did a couple walkthroughs of D2 schools. Um, but in my mind, I'm not playing D2. I'm too good to play D2. Right. <laughs> even, even though there's really no proof of me being better than playing D2. Right. Right. But in my mind, I'm too good for it. So <laughs> I walked, I walked around ODU and I remember ODU because my parents wanted me to walk through Norfolk state cause that's where they went. Um, Walked through norfolk state it was cool yeah but when i walked through odu um i don't know something about it stuck and maybe it was it might have been the same thing that stuck about um that banksy book which was it it felt more artistic um and i think a piece of me was probably yearning for that and i didn't realize it at the time like subconsciously i think i was yeah. i was reaching for more artistic things um so i chose odu i was gonna walk on talk to the coach he saw my tape he was he was with it he was like yeah cool we're gonna get you win you can walk <laughs> on you'll definitely make the team it's not even a, it's not even really a worry yeah um you're gonna to put some work in to get to the starting spot but you can play um that coach ended up in a recruiting violation that got him fired, um, which cut communication between me and him. So there were things that I needed for the tryout right. that I that I didn't know I needed to bring. Yeah. So I show up for the tryout ready. I'd been working out all summer. I'm ready to kill it. <laughs> um, and they're like, "Yeah, no, man, but we'll let you." will let you assist. You can come on because, because of, I guess, the persuasive skills of my dad, who was a football coach, um, the running back coach, which I was a running back at the time, running back slash slot receiver. Um, he was like, yeah, he can come into the, into the system, which they put me on as like an assistant to the assistant coach. Okay. Um, so I was on the field every day with the plays, studying the plays, getting the playbook. Yeah. Um, preparing myself mentally for what that college game is about to feel like. Um, my grades were horrible, so realistically, I probably wouldn't have have at ODU, been they were horrible? at Holy yeah. Okay. Um, because you know, college is the first is the really the first sense of freedom yeah. that you get. Yeah. Um, I started smoking in college. Got it. And <laughs> that blew everything out. The yeah. Way though, right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I was still working out though, still training, still I was still relatively fit physically. It's just I didn't have the I wouldn't have had the grades even if the tryouts would have been able to happen. Okay. Um so that the second semester trial comes around, um I guess in that very first trial, the one that I had to miss, they got everybody they needed, so they called off that second trial. Mm. So I never got my shot to to right. really play.
0: Yeah. Okay. And that that's all your first year, right? That's all first year. Yeah. Okay. So, what else is brewing in college for you that first year? I know you mentioned grades weren't mm-hmm. necessarily a strong suit, but were you getting involved on campus? Um, you know, what was kind of consuming your time?
1: Um, art and rebelliousness. Uh, I in high school was was I was into the pranksterness. I was into pranks, pranks and stuff like that. Yeah. So we were like, in high school, we were flipping people's bags inside out during class. Oh, uh,
0: doing that and putting their books back in it. Putting it them back oh, in gosh, it. Sometimes not that. putting the books back in it.
1: <laughs> 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 Sometimes taking the bags. All kinds of things. like Right. But we were, it was just very mischievous. Like all lighthearted fun that we were just playing around with people. Yeah. Just to watch the reactions. Yeah. Um. So that continued into college, especially when I wasn't able to play. Um. So my RA had a had a fit with us, but my whole, we were wild and reckless. We did like we set up like a slip and slide in the hallway. Oh my time. gosh, that was fire! Uh, <laughs> we just did we just did a whole bunch of stuff that we shouldn't have been doing. Wow.
0: Um, <laughs> Yo, I was, having, was an RA when I was in yeah, school. I would
1: have been so upset. Just having a blast on campus. Oh my! But goodness. what it, what did come from that too? Um, was my first concerts. Um so that was a dive into art differently. Yeah. Um and then who, do you know do you remember who it was? NERD. Okay. Was oh, one. that's a good one. That was fire. Yeah. Um and then randomly KRS-One. Okay. It was super random. Yeah. Um but that was fire too. Still to this day I have that was the most that might have been the most impressive ability of like uh, uh portrayal of rapping that I've seen. Cuz yeah. from, from the moment he walked in and he did like a Hour and a half set. Wow. Um, not that he even I don't even know if I knew the songs enough to to do it, but mm-hmm. I knew who KRS one was. Mm-hmm. I knew he was a rap he was good at rapping. I knew he was one of the the founders of the the sound. Yeah. So from the moment he walked in to the moment he walked off stage, every single word rhymed. Like every single <laughs> <Wow>. word. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, what? Yeah. He's just doing it to do it at yeah, this yeah, point, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so that was impressive and then i took a english class who i guess the professor was super artsy because instead of breaking down literature she had us break down movies which turned my which which changed my perspective on movies mm. um which opened me up to seeing things differently yeah um, so that was interesting So
0: it was an English class But it, it's almost like Film analysis Yeah
1: That's essentially what it was Yeah But it was a It was a one-on-one English class
0: Yeah I mean which is cool Because I think sometimes You need different mediums To engage people mm-hmm. And I think Especially with writing And English like yeah. I feel like it's a subject That doesn't always capture The attention of The mass of the class For sure and so, being able to to go a different route like that, That's like a creative way to teach the subject. I think.
1: And and that that class put me on some movies like the the some of the more classic director films yeah. that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Mm. Um, but again, it changed. Again, it changes your perspective, yeah. right? Because now I'm I'm having to break down a movie from the creative standpoint. Yeah. Which I'm usually just watching as a consumer.
0: So now, to me, it's sounding like that's the first. Um, we there was a there was a love for or an identification of love for visuals with spray painting mm-hmm. and and uh, artwork in that sense. Mm-hmm. But this sounds like the first love of a picture for sure. Yeah. For okay. Sure. So this is kind of where it starts for sure. And are you identifying like are you are you like oh this is really cool I'm enjoying breaking down these movies analyzing them in writing or are you now like wow that's a beautiful picture that's a beautiful image
1: both. Um, not as much as me creating the image yet, but it's, I'm, I'm identifying a scene and I'm able to identify what makes it beautiful. Um, when before, I don't know if I had the, I could have took, I could have, I could have looked at something and told you what I liked about it but not necessarily from as technical of a creative space. Yeah. Like I'm looking at scenes from um she was a, she was a big Christopher Nolan fan. Um Dark Knight, uh Interstellar, those movies. Right. And this is before he did those. So, I think the movie we watched was Memento and there's a lot of there's a lot of very um varying depth of fields in in that movie. Mm-hmm. And you know shooting from over the shoulder to catch the tip of the kneecap stuff like that yeah. and and that now I'm like oh I get it right the the you create the depth to tell the story it adds elements to for the mind to process to feel like you're in the room yeah um so that started happening with that class
0: wow and was she as a as a teacher kind of encouraging this same type of analysis or like are you just are you eating it up and taking it to another level? Cause like, does she have a background in film? Like,
1: <laughs> um, I'm actually not sure. Okay, I think I think her. If I remember correctly, I think her explanation to starting with movies was because the prior semester she did books, and I, this might have been her her start in English teaching. Um, but the prior semester she did books, and the class didn't get it. Ah, so. She felt like she should do something that we all take part in, which was movies.
0: Look at that. Yeah. Like fate. Yeah. Okay. Because nobody else,
1: nobody, I told my friends, everybody on my hall, the other first years I knew, and nobody had taken a class like that. Right.
0: They're all like, no, we read a book. Yeah, we read (laughs) it. We read Hamlet. Analyzed it, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um. So at that point now you're you're really loving imagery and its ability to communicate something for sure. What 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 ends up happening next?
1: Um. So we're to probably to say this the end of my first year. I go into another year, um, and I can't really again. I've never really been great at school. Um. I don't even know if I liked it beyond a means to an end, which in my mind was NFL. Mm. Um, so after that dream died, um, I would say I went into a dark space. And some other things in life were happening at that time, but I think yeah. I went into a dark space. Um, and losing football and that, the only dream that I had since since I was 11, 12 years old, um, watching that die, I think I lost a piece of myself. <clears throat> um, which ended up into a, a a downward spiral of life, yeah, which ended up me leaving school and coming back home.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, did did you did you ever go back?
1: Nah, um, oh, wow. I tried for like a semester. Yeah, at PG, but that didn't it didn't end up not working.
0: Interesting. Hmm. So, what were you experiencing? Like, I know it was dark and you know, but if you can, if you can kind of recall what what was going through your mind
1: so I think in that next year, so the, the last point we capped off was into the freshman year. I think in that next year, um, sophomore fall and spring spring semesters. Um, I think I changed my, my major like three times. Um,
0: what'd you go from, from what to what to what?
1: So, at first I was sports management. Okay. Um, which ended up taking me into marketing. No, which ended up taking me into. Mm, which ended up taking me into fashion, uh, merchandising. Because okay. I like I like the professor. Um, <laughs> which which then I realized I didn't really care about that, so that turned into. Business management, I think, or uh, it might have been it might have been psychology, which then turned to marketing. Okay, and then marketing was probably the last thing I did before I left school. Okay, but and I was, was I was really fine I was really trying to find something that 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 resonated with me. Yeah. Um. Since I I'd come to terms with the NFL not being what was about to happen for me.
0: Right. So is the thought, what's the thought though is it like man i can't find anything that i enjoy or is it like man i'm i'm not good at this like is there is there I, even like a ah oh man like i'm dumb
1: you know what i mean like it was a mix of i have no clue what i want to do with my life yeah. and for my entire life my my parents have made me subscribe to the belief that college is if you don't do it in college there's, there's not much success after um it was a mix of that and maybe i'm just not i guess smart enough to to make it outside of to make it outside of football
0: yeah so what does that do to you action-wise like feeling that way like man i maybe i'm not smart enough you you end up leaving school and mm-hmm. so what's going through your mind like now you have this thought that you may not be smart enough and you've gone in you've gone back into life but you're, you're not finishing school and you also feel like in this moment that school is the only way yeah so how are you navigating this new space
1: so i've i've always been uh, or i'm not i'm not going to say always but i think football instilled the figure it out um you got to you got to improvise yeah so it was really dark before I left school. Um, I think that semester, I didn't really leave my apartment like wow that much at all. I think if I if I had to if I had to recollect, that was probably the least I had left my apartment my entire time in school.
0: And was that was this all as far as was this all tied back to understanding your identity?
1: Or- I think so okay and and part of that the the intelligence aspect um and the things that i was going through at school just you know breakups and stuff okay um all of that together i think was a was a was a dark space that i just kind of stayed inside for the most part yeah um like my friends had parties at their houses at that point i wasn't going um the usual people I would smoke with, I'm not linking up anymore. Mm. I'm not hooping really like that anymore.
0: Are you making it to class? Uh, sometimes.
1: Yeah. Sometimes when not. When I felt like it. All yeah, right. when I felt like it. Um, Which really tanked grades, obviously. Yeah. Um, So pr- b- b- before leaving school, it got really dark. When I came back home, I was around familiar people again. So that helped a little bit, but that jumped me right into just working. Um, So I got into sales almost immediately. What were you selling? Um I think first probably mm, I worked at Tivana. Um okay. are you familiar with Tivana?
0: Um I think so. Is that is it T? T. The tea shop. They got all the different teas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They so, have, they're in the mall now, right? Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I
1: started working for them in the mall. Okay. Um before Starbucks bought them. So they were they were a small like uh Elder couple that started it, and it was it was smaller. Okay. Um, but they were very concentrated on teas and the 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 art of the teas, um, so that was interesting. Yeah. Um. Then from there, I did like finish line. Then I did L.A. Fitness and door to door sales. After that, right. and just car sales. Yeah. I sold a bunch of stuff. How did you
0: decide on sales?
1: Um. I think it more so decided on me. Hmm. I think you know you. I applied to a bunch of spots and those are just the things that, uh, that accepted me. Right. So Tivani and finish line being first, I found that I was good at selling things to people. So I, I tried to apply it in different ways throughout, um, in different ways. I guess I didn't, I didn't visualize, uh, Shoe sales at the, at retail yeah. being uh, lucrative long-term. Yeah. So I jumped to things that I thought would make me more money. Got it. Which was, uh, at the time, gym memberships, then door-to-door sales, like yeah. doors and windows, and then car sales.
0: Okay. So it, it's interesting because I almost feel like, in some ways, your experience of jumping through the hoops and understanding different industries almost kind of gave you this competitive advantage in now you have this really wide uh, array of knowledge of different spaces, right? Like you understand the fitness world and yeah, gym memberships and um, and how that world works as a business, but like also understanding the people that are going to gyms and fitness and, um, and bodies, right? And I feel like that ends up kind of showing itself uh, for you and, and your field of work now?
1: I would say, yeah. Um, you know, in those spaces, you're almost dealing with marketing directly. Um, in the sense that you have to understand the person that's coming in and why they're coming in. Um, so that means you have to, to be good at it, at least you've got to understand what the company is putting out to draw them in. Um, and then you have to understand that at the end of the day, people buy from people. Yeah, and you've got a the person that you are has to resonate with the person that they are. Yeah, in order for them to buy from you, um, especially as you go up in in sales, once you get into like car sales, it's all person to person. Absolutely, like you can buy a car from anybody if you know what you want. Um, what's going to make you buy it today is me, mm-hmm. um, and that resonated directly into football, into to photography. Yeah, I think cars was the last thing I did before I started photography.
0: So what year are we in now? 2012. Okay. And how did you pick up the camera? How how did that happen?
1: So, I had a homie, uh, Lou. I have a homie Lou who he he takes credit for my my intro into photography <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Um so shout out to Lou. And he had a clothing line at the time. Um where he was printing screen printing shirts, uh hoodies, crew necks and he was taking trips to um, trade shows and, and little pop ups to sell it. Um so he needed he needed photos. Yeah. Um so my dad had a camera in the house probably for football reasons that he really wasn't using like that. Point and shoot. Um no, nah, it actually ended up being a Nikon with an interchangeable lens. Okay. Um, I'm not sure why he bought that, <laughs> being that he there's no he just know, like there's no technical photography experience. Yeah. Um, in his background. Yeah. But he bought it, and so it was around the house, laying around, uh, looting the shots. Um, so I took them, but I didn't like them, and. I think part of that athlete in me wasn't going to let me not be good at it. Mm. Um, What was it that you
0: didn't like about him?
1: It was probably too basic. It didn't, it didn't, I couldn't feel myself in it maybe. Um, Or I couldn't feel anything in it probably is what I would probably attribute it to.
0: And these shots are, are they like pics of models in these, in the clothes or is it just pictures of the clothes?
1: It was, I think it started out as like an event there. It was events. Yeah. Got it. I think it was an event and I took shots and I didn't really, I wasn't, I wasn't vibing with him at all. Yeah. Um, but from that point on, I kept it with me and and actually, I kept it with me to the point of being discouraged. Um, because I could, I just wasn't getting it. Um. Or I was, I was, you know how they say when you take things too seriously, you tend to mess it up. Yeah, I think that's what was happening. Mm. Right, I was focusing so hard on it not being bad that it was bad. Got it. And I we ended up that same year. um, No, actually, I put it down. So that was 2012. We fast forward to 2013, and so you shot for about a year. I would probably. I would say six to eight months. Okay, about a year, I guess. And I really wasn't. I didn't wasn't enjoying it. There wasn't the thrill behind it. Um, and that's I,
0: because it because you didn't feel like you were good.
1: Yeah, because I was. I didn't feel like I was doing it right. Okay. Um, I didn't have any training. I j- I literally just picked it up. Um, shooting an auto. It was just. It was the very base, base, base level of photography. Yeah. Um, And it was the first camera I had picked up like that to really take pictures of. So fast forward to we ended up going to Miami in 2013 um, with some homies that do like music in Virginia Beach. Super dope trip. But one of the homies had a photographer with him. And he was doing more. He was he was more creative with his photography. He was doing videos while we were down there. Yeah. So my my interest is peaked now. I'm like, oh, there's somebody else. Now I know somebody else that does this because I didn't prior to that. I didn't know anybody that did photography. Um, So he kind of explained it to like, there really you don't you can do whatever you want, right? There's no there's rules, but experiment, find find yourself in it. Yeah. Um, And then from that point on, I've had a camera in my hand. So 2013 till till now.
0: Wow. So what was it that changed? Was it just the freedom this time around that it was like, now, I, now I can, now I have the permission to do whatever I want.
1: I think it was the freedom. It was the perspective that it doesn't have to be this one thing that, you know, photography is how you see things Yeah, um, more than how other people have shown you how they see things and i think me me taking that into consideration that it's that i see the world differently from anybody else anyway already and understanding how to convert that into a photo uh really changed everything yeah and I, that might have been the first that might have been the first time of me shooting uh Manual, well, manual for sure. He oh, showed what? me. He, sh- I think he, I think he was the one that showed me how to do it. Yeah. Um, but it was the first time of me, uh, really diving into, the woman aspect, because we were, you know, we were on South Beach, and <laughs> <that's, coughs> we're we're fooling around. Right.
0: So is that where it started? That's where you started shooting women.
1: I think, um, I would love to go back to the files and tell you, yeah. to, for exact, but that that hard drive died. But I think that was the first, that's the first shot, that's the first shots that I can remember. Okay. Because um, it's been a lot at this point. But yeah. But those are the first ones that come to mind.
0: So since that period of time in 2013, when you, you know, you, you have a re- reintroduction into mm-hmm. the space and you're feeling it more. I,
1: I would, I would, I call it the, like the, I, that was my proper introduction into photography. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, what stands out? What was like, what's a moment that you're like, man, that. That right there. From then till now? Uh no, early on. So around that time.
1: Um so after that point I was i really I come back home from Miami and around that time modeling uh modeling troops were like popular. Like people dudes that I knew would just have collections of women that wanted to be models um, that they were quote unquote managing. Mm. Um, And I say quote unquote because managing is loosely related in those terms Um, that I started shooting. And I met up with some people on one of the shoots that we really connected on. Um, And that's right around the time DC legalized weed. So I would probably say within that year, um, we took, we, 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 captured a lot of DC's weed scene. Um, and we became known for capturing DC's weed scene. Uh, um, so that's probably that first moment. So yeah. between 2013 and 2014, okay. it was really that first, uh, re- me really stepping into and accepting photographer right um as artist as a title yeah
0: and where do you end up going with things after that
1: um so the homies that i met um shout out to daniel shout out to greg shout out to cliff um all still the homies we still we still communicate but we were we, had, we were essentially a group and everything we showed up to we showed up in a pack like five, six deep every single time. Um, Everybody coming out with cameras, so it was a thing. Um, And I guess I can say this because we've talked about it, but I was the, I was the Kobe of the group, of of the shackless Lakers. Okay. So I felt like I was pulling a lot of the weight and pulling in the revenue, but it wasn't it wasn't connecting on other on other realms. Um, so once we split, I started to find other avenues to shoot. Okay. Essentially, um, mm-hmm. so where we go from there is me me diving into and and finding more expression in the photography. Right? What do I what do I want to see? Um, and what do I want people to see from me um, and see me in? Yeah. As, I guess is where what, what to answer your question.
0: Okay. So you really seems it seems like you you began to find an identity for sure. And this is around when 2014,
1: 2015. Okay, so things are like picked up. People know you, and you have an identity now. I think my first my first series was twenty fifteen. My first series, like consecutive series of photos, was twenty fifteen. And what were you shooting? Uh, people on the street. It was called Storyteller Sundays. Got it. Um, I was. I would go out, and I would. I would be shooting landscapes, but I'd always come across an interesting conversation. So I'd have the conversation. Um, something about me drew to, drew me to that person, or them to me. Um, we end up in a very interesting conversation. I take a photo of them, and I um, contrive it on my website, and put it out every Sunday. That's dope. Ended up meeting a. I can't remember his name right now, but he was like a he was a world champion boxer, but he ended up being homeless in oh, New York. Wow! Like it was a whole wild story that happened with him where he ended up being homeless, That's but he taught boxing lessons in the middle of the park. It's super random, super wild. Like, wow. yeah, but that was dope.
0: It's kind of dope that he, you know, he still found a way to give back.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. For free, too. He was right. giving them for free
0: and um he's still and,
1: sharp with his hands like he was showing me and right I'm like, oh, okay he's like, oh, cool snap <laughs> yeah. you were a boxing champion yeah you yeah. know when,
0: when somebody says it to you right yeah like, and they yeah, don't whatever, look like bro. it okay yeah okay bro interesting um so you know I, almost inevitably things are going so well for us mm-hmm. and unfortunately it doesn't always stay that way for sure um when you think about a time of adversity after this period, I mean, you know, 2015, 2016, you have this identity and things are going real well for you. What What's the first thing that, after that period of time, that comes to mind where you're like, man, that was a bump in the road?
1: So, things are going good, like you said. Um, at that point, I'm still working a job. I don't remember where, but I'm still working a job. And I'm like, you know what? I'm a photographer. I don't... We need a job. Mm. Um, so I went full time for about a year and a half. Um, and it probably only lasted that long because I didn't want to tell myself that it wasn't working. Mm. Um, but it wasn't working. I wasn't the the consistency that I was picking up gigs before I quit the job changed drastically once I quit the job.
0: Why do you think that was?
1: Um I would say that when, you know, a lot of, a lot of photography is a luxury and a lot of times I think we just, as people forget that because, because cameras are so accessible now, but the ability to commit time to capturing something for somebody and then processing it in post afterwards takes time. Yeah. Um, so when I had a job, it was fine, um, because I was able to take free things, which would lead to paid things. Um, everything's word of mouth. Yeah. Right. So once, once the job stopped, there wasn't consistent money to, to, to make sense for those free things. Yeah. So you got to charge everybody for everything. And then when people start telling you no, uh, you know, it weighs on you mentally which makes you do desperate things which only backfires right um i think that period of time was was dark in a sense that you know when when you hear no enough you start to again believe that it's you that's the issue yeah right that maybe i'm not good enough maybe i'm in the wrong place and i've thought about moving a bunch of times um which it's probably something i should do anyway but it 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 weighed on me in a sense that it it corrupted my mind and made me start to move more doubtful um which affects how people receive you right
0: and what exactly are you doubting you like ah i i just don't shoot well enough is maybe, it
1: maybe i'm not good enough as a photographer to for them to want to pay me um or for them to want to pay me what i ask for Right. Because it's we as a photographer, you're negotiating your own prices for yeah. the most part, unless you've got a manager or a management team or PR, et cetera. You're you're negotiating your own prices for yourself. Um, there's no industry standard that people can look up and, and go back to. If you tell them a price like it was when I was selling shoes and cars, and like there's a there's a price you can look up where right. if I tell you this is the bottom line, it's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, Photography is different in the sense that people make up their own prices. So, at the time I was trying to elevate my price um, because of the quality of work, because of the time put in, Um, people are like, nah, I got somebody that can do it for 50. And if you've got no income coming in, you've got to make a decision with yourself. Like, am I going to take it for the 50 or am I just going to let this one slide? Right. Right. And at first you let it slide because I don't need the 50. But when, when, you know, you start getting hungry, yeah. and bills are bills are due. You start yeah. taking the fifties, which you take the fifties, and then now, um, that person that you did for fifty uh, refers you refers, it to refers you to somebody else. They
0: tell, oh, he did it for me for fifty. Yeah,
1: whoa, you charge two hundred. I dude told me fifty. Mm. Now I got to do it for fifty. Right, right. Um, so the 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 doubt that gets the, starts to weigh is okay, cool. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not worth the price that I think I am. Yeah. um maybe if I was better because uh, social media is a is a is a highlight reel in itself where I'm so you' so glad
0: you brought that up I, I definitely was going to ask about the whole social thing as well
1: that that played yeah. a big factor yeah. um you see people and you you have no clue what they're charging you've got no clue what they're getting paid for you've got no clue what work that they post they are gonna pay for um but you started like man he shot this for this she shot this for this um, they had this had to be at least worth yeah. such and such why can't I get that yeah and uh mentally that becomes more of an obstacle than a passing thought that's true
0: so how do you overcome that
1: um I think what you have to do is arts difficult in the sense that it's subjective. So just because I believe that I should get $800 for this shoot um, doesn't have to mean that you value it at that, but it also doesn't have to mean that I accept what you're offering me, right? I can always say no. Um, So learning the power of no helped a lot. But if you say no, you got to be able to really, you got to, you have to be able to really stand in in your no, um, and have something on the back burner to to, to back you up on that. Right. Um, so what I learned in that process and how I dealt with it was, I just learned to have something on the back burner, um, and have confidence and faith that what I'm building is gonna make sense for me in the long run.
0: Yeah. So I'm assuming you end up going and finding a job now. Definitely. Okay. Um, what were you doing?
1: I was working at an event company. Okay. Um, were you shooting for wait, them or let me see. Yeah, I ended up working at an event company. That was the first one I think. Okay. Um, no, I was not shooting for them. I no, I lied. So I went I went I went uh full time twice. Mm. Um first time was unnecessary. I shouldn't have done that. I was realistically, I was a year into photography. I didn't even have, I didn't even build up enough clientele to make for it to make sense. Yeah. Um, so that after that first time I was ended up working at home Depot, um, and coming from working for yourself, the restriction was crazy, but I was willing to do it to a sense. Yeah. Um, um, so I ended up working at Home Depot while doing photography. Um, and it was cool. It was fine. And then I remember I was going to go to Art Basel that year. I had put in my request off two months in advance um, per the system. And I think the week before they told me, yeah, we're not going to let Bill let you go. I'm like, huh? Y'all approved it like a right. month ago. Yeah tickets bought the hotels booked the cars rented like I don't know what you want to do right and they're like well if you don't show up um you won't have a job I went ended up not having a job wow That's so that crazy. was the that ended up being the second run I think I worked at home Depot for almost a year um and I think that ended up being the second run
0: so after they let go of you 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 just you started doing full time again?
1: Yeah, I tried it again. You tried it um again. until I found something else.
0: Okay. And is it any better that time around?
1: Um it was better because I was I had built up the understanding that I was um the comfortability of saying no. I had built up the ability to work through that and find gigs through that. Um, but they weren't coming as frequently as I wanted at the price that I wanted. Right. Um, so, but I still had something to like behind me, um, that I was used to. So I think that's the time around when I really started to travel I really dove into traveling more. Um, so it was, it was more of a struggle, but it was a struggle I was willing to accept instead of the first time it just being a struggle.
0: Yeah. And so, what leads you back to working? Because I is that the current job you're right now? Is that the last kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Um. So what led me to that is I've I've been doing events, um, and I've been doing a lot of minuscule. I don't want to downplay it, but minuscule work. Um, work that I didn't really feel connected to mm. um, artistically and creatively. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to do things that spoke to me and get paid for those things. Yeah. Um, so I decided to get my bartending license because I've always I've been in bars. I've I've been running the U, the, uh, U Street Strip um, and you know trying different <laughs> different whiskey cocktails right. um, for a minute. Yeah. So. I had, I had a fascination for it, um, and a lot of the events I were doing were liquor events. So in my mind, if I can learn how to make the drink, right, I can better get acquainted with the effects, the how to tell the story of the drinks essentially, yeah. um, in order to get the liquor clients directly instead of going through events. Gotcha. Um, so that's kind of the mindset behind bartender.
0: Okay. So this time, it, it sounds like there was um, there was a, a strategy for sure behind
1: way going more strategic, yeah. way more strategic.
0: Okay, and how's that been working for you? It's been working cool. Yeah.
1: Um. It's allowed me not only the space to still be able to converse in uh, the same skill set that uh, I use for photography, essentially. When you know you're you're evoking emotion out of people. Yeah. Um. And providing an experience for them. Um while also perfecting the skill of pitch decks and, and pitching to brands and companies that I actually want to work with. So it's been going good, I would say. That's dope. I like the I like the effects of it. I like uh, the people that it's introduced me to. Um, now it's on me to capitalize.
0: Yeah. So have things been better for you in regards to the whole social media piece of things as far as looking at this person and what they've been able to achieve and for such sure. um i know we've had conversations even about you know um other people were really talented and you know th- how much em- there's so much emphasis that's put on to followers <clears throat> and all of that how have you been navigating that space for yourself and people that you choose to collaborate and work with and all of that
1: um so Again, social media is one of those tricky uh, tools that we use that a lot of times we visualize as currency. Um, And a lot of the industry revolving around uh, art is they're very much into numbers and statistics and analytics, understandably, because they're trying to sell a product. Um, So what I... I would love to say I realized it consciously but I would say early relatively early on I understood the I be, I became aware of the importance of analytics um which is why I initially started my website um to be able to track analytics mm. so as much as I saw people um and I saw the the conversations around statistics and analytics. I was always able to provide my own, which helped me get into a lot of spaces that I've been in, um, which helped a lot of conversations that I've been in, a yeah. lot of conversations with brands and just uh, influencers. Like I I have been able to channel um, people's interest in those things and and use it to my advantage. Um, what changed for me in, in watching people is that I just – I had to process it as highlight tapes um, because as much as, as down as I felt in that, in those time periods, people would look at my Instagram and be like, yo, you're killing it right now. You're right. And you know, as much as I don't feel it, right. you know, you got to put it on the face like, yo, thanks bro. Yeah. Thanks man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're right. We out here. We out gang. here. Gang. Yeah. Um, so I just had to realize that people are going to, it's all perspective. People are gonna see what you put out, and even though you, even if you're not telling the story of it being perfect, even if you're not trying to intentionally do that, that's how people are gonna receive it. Yeah. So, you almost have to tune it out. Um, just because I I appreciate someone's art doesn't mean that mine is any less um, any less valuable. Just yeah. because someone got paid whatever for whatever um, doesn't mean that it affects my pockets in any way. Right. Um people that bargain hunt are gonna bargain hunt. No matter how good or bad you are. Um that's just that's just part of the game.
0: That's real. All right, man. So uh as we, we kinda get to the end here and we talk about just your current space and what you're doing, you know, what what are your thoughts as far as your future, you know, what you're working on and um even just when you connect it to the analogy of ninety nine Celsius, mm-hmm. you know, as you think about one hundred degrees Celsius and reaching that boiling point and whatever's next for you, what what does that look like? Have you do you feel like you are at boiling, and what does a row two boiling look like?
1: Um, I forgot who it was, but I think we were having it. Might have been at the dojo actually. We were at, there was a conversation going around. um, when do you know you made it mm-hmm. and I think if you're in pursuit of an elusive dream like I think art tends to be um, there really is no destination right you're yeah. kind of just you're moving past checkpoints and and uh, uh, landmarks and when you when you're there, Sometimes it doesn't feel like you're there. So I think for me currently, it's just it's the constant pursuit of more, um, not not in a dissatisfied way, just in a okay that was cool, um, but something else has to come after that, right? Yeah. Um, I think where you're you're constantly producing until your into your until you're dead. Um, I I was actually talking to my dad about this recently. There was uh, there was it's probably an athlete. Um, they were essentially saying that um, when they ceased to play is when their body started to betray them. Um, wow, which I think is a mm. uh, uh, which I think is relative to life in general, right? When you when you stop moving is when your body finally says okay cool now we can just yeah put it all up we can can give it all up so i think i think as creatives especially but as people in general we all are constantly pushing for something more something bigger something after yeah um so currently um i am attempting and i am doing more work that speaks to me um i'm i'm working on projects that i think tell stories that I can not only relate to, but stories that I have lived through. Um, And just understanding that in my, in my aspiration to work with brands, excuse me, um, the thing that all products are sold through is emotion. So finding, finding new ways and creative ways and innovative ways to, uh, portray emotion through my imagery is, is kind of where I'm at with it
0: yeah man well much success and luck to you man um, I know you're gonna continue on that journey and keep striving yeah
1: man we're gonna try man <laughs> <laughs> we here, right, we here, right, you know
0: um, but nah man wishing you the best bro I know I'll be here on the journey and all the ways that we can work together and inspire and create I know that we're gonna continue to do that for sure so I thank you for stopping by yeah man I appreciate you love, having man. For sure. Um, super full circle that we got to do this. So um know, episode ten
1: too, that's tight. Episode ten, that's man. tight.
0: Yeah, bro. It's, it's moving, man. Um but yeah, thank you, bro. And you know, you already know we'll be in touch and we'll get you back on here sometime in the future to, to talk about where you're at and how things came to fruition.
1: Yeah, for sure. Send me in like a, a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, let some things come to fruition. Yes, sir. This 2020 threw a lot of things out of whack. Yeah, like, motion. The motion that was supposed to be happening right uh, now got cut. But it's cool, right? Because a lot of dope things are coming from it. So that's right Yes, sir.
0: All right, my man. What's that? Yo, gee.
1: Peace. Appreciate you having right. me, man.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of 99 Celsius. Again, I'm your host, Marco Quay. For updates on the pod, follow us on Instagram at 99 Celsius, all spelled out. New episodes air each and every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the pod with others. Until next time.